Would you turn back to John chapter 4? We're going to observe the Lord's table tonight. And I am going to bring a message from Genesis 44 entitled, The Heart of the Gospel. The Heart of the Gospel. I am bringing this message this morning with the expectation that everybody in this room will believe. I'd expect that. It's the truth. And it's my prayer that no one leaves this room without believing the gospel. If you knew, you'd ask, he'd give. I suppose this could be said about every other scripture as well, but there's never been a sermon preached that would do the verse of scripture I just read justice. And after I'm finished preaching this message, that fact will not have changed. (laughs) Pray for me and pray for yourselves that the Lord will speak. If you knew, you'd ask, And he would give. In verse 9, Then saith the woman of Samaria, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealing with the Samaritans. Now the Lord gave her an answer She was not expecting. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God. God's gifts have no strings attached. They're free. If thou knewest the gift of God and who it is that saith to thee, give me to drink. If you knew, thou wouldest have asked. All who know ask. Without exception. Thou wouldest have asked of him and he would have given thee living water. This verse begins with the word if. A conditional conjunction. If. If you knew, you would ask. If you do not know, you will not ask. If you knew the gift of God and who it is that's saying this to you. Now the Lord knew 
at this time that the woman does not know. She was ignorant. She didn't know who he was. And the Lord says, if you did know. Now let me make a statement that I want you to listen to real carefully. Did you know that we're not saved by our knowledge? And we're not saved apart from knowledge. We're not saved by what we know. And we're not saved apart from knowing. Uh, The scripture that comes to my mind is John chapter 8 verse 32. Where the Lord says, uh, you shall know the truth. If you're saved, you know the truth. There's no such thing as someone who is saved that does not know the truth. You shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Notice he doesn't say your knowledge of the truth will make you free. The truth himself shall make you free. The truth is a person. The Lord said, I am the truth. If the Son shall make you free, you're free indeed. Now let me repeat that. Your knowledge of the truth won't save you. You will not be saved without knowing the truth. All who are saved know. Our Lord said in John chapter 17, verse 3, This is eternal life, that they might know thee, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. Paul said in 2 Timothy 1.12, I know whom I have believed. I love it when Paul says in Romans chapter 8, verse 28, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. How do you know? Because we know God. This is consistent with the character of him that we know. That's why we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Don't miss that. God is a God of purpose. The Lord says, if you knew. And he knows at this time this woman does not know. If you knew. The natural man does not know. Now, he believes in the existence of God. Everyone's born with that belief. He doesn't know God. He doesn't know the character of the living God. Like Bartimaeus, he's blind. The beggar sitting by the wayside, blind. He couldn't see. He was plumb blind. That's you and I. By nature, we can't see the true character of God. We can't see 
the gift of God. We don't know the giver of the gift. Uh, we're ignorant. If you knew, we're ignorant. I think of what Paul said in Romans chapter 10. Listen to this scripture carefully. Speaking of the Jews, the people who supposedly knew God. He said, they being ignorant of God's righteousness. Now this is where every natural man is. That's why men judge God. That's why men get mad when they hear the gospel. That's not fair for God to elect some and pass by others. How could that be fair? They're ignorant of God's righteousness. And here's what happens when someone's ignorant of God's righteousness. Romans chapter 10, they being ignorant of God's righteousness, they go about to establish their own righteousness. They go about to establish a righteousness that they think will obligate God to save me. I've done this. Now respond. You need to do that. That's a complete ignorance of God's character. For me to think that there's something that I could do that would cause him to respond to me and do something for me is a manifestation of ignorance. Ignorant of God's righteousness. And going about to establish their own righteousness, they've not submitted themselves to the righteousness of of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness. Do you understand that? Christ is the end, the goal, the termination of the law for righteousness. Now, in their ignorance, he says to this woman, if you knew, she didn't know the character of God. In their ignorance, men will make a God that does not exist. Or they will say, God does not exist. I suppose one's as bad as the other, aren't they? A God that does not exist. Or saying that God does not exist. Men are born not knowing God. If you knew. Men are blinded. By the God of this world, Paul said, if our gospel be hid, it's hid to them that are lost. In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ should shine unto them. Now this blindness that men have is a willful blindness. Don't miss that. It's a willful blindness. None so blind as they who will not see. But it's a blindness nonetheless. That men do not know God. If you knew. If you knew. I love the way salvation in 1 Timothy 2.4 is described as coming to the knowledge of the truth. If you knew. Faith is defined in Titus 1.1 as the faith of God's elect. 
You know, all of God's elect have the same faith. I love that, don't you? Every believer believes the same thing. You know, all these different denominations and somebody's got a greater corner on God than the other. That's a bunch of foolishness. All of God's people believe the same thing. The faith of God's elect, the acknowledging of the truth. That's what faith is. It's the acknowledging, it's the embracing of the truth. The truth of God's true character, the truth of me, what I am. The truth that Christ is everything in salvation. Listen to this definition of repentance. Found in 2 Timothy chapter 2. If God peradventure will grant them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. You know what repentance is? Somebody says repent of your sins. Sin's never good. But you know the Bible never says that. Not once. You need to repent of your sins. Well, you tell me what that means. Here's what the scripture says. It's repentance toward God and faith toward the Lord Jesus Christ. Repentance is a change of mind regarding the truth. You used to didn't believe it. I do now. That's what repentance is. I didn't used to believe God was absolutely sovereign. I do now. I didn't used to believe God elected a people. I do now. I didn't used to believe that Christ effectually accomplished salvation. I thought there's something that I did that made what he did. I don't believe that anymore. Repentance is the acknowledging, the embracing of the truth. There's no salvation. There's no faith. There's no repentance without the knowledge of the truth. Now, the Lord says, if you knew the gift of God, The gift. You know, God's gift is like no other human gift. With God's gift, there's literally no strings attached. God's gift is utterly and completely free. God so loved the world that he gave. His only begotten son. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish. But have everlasting life. He that spared not his own son. But delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely. Give us all things. God's gift, free. There's not one thing you can do to earn it. There's not one thing you can do that will make him respond to you. It's his free, free, free gift. The wages of sin is death. The gift of God. Nothing you can do to earn it. Nothing you can do to lose it. It's his free gift. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. If you knew the gift of God. You know Christ is called the unspeakable gift. 
a gift so gloriously free and so great that the vehicle of language cannot sufficiently describe this gift. He's the unspeakable gift. There's no way I can speak as well as I ought to of him. I'd love to, but he's, he's beyond that. He's the unspeakable gift. Listen to this. We read in Romans chapter 5, verse 17, of the gift of righteousness. Now, do you hear what that is? That means you don't do something to be righteous. It's given to you by God. And if He gives you this righteousness, it's yours. The gift of righteousness. To her, it said of the church in Revelation 19.8, to her was granted that she should be arrayed, clothed in fine linen, clean and white. This is the righteousness. This fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. Now that's the righteousness of Christ that God clothes the believer with so that it becomes the righteousness of the saints. That's my righteousness. Here's what salvation being a gift means. Ephesians chapter 2 verses 8 and 9, for by grace are you saved. Amen. By grace are you saved. Through faith. And that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God. Not of works. Lest any man should boast. If you think that your faith is the product of your will, you've got something you can boast in. And you won't enter heaven that way. Not of works. Lest any man should boast. Both. Second Timothy 1 9 says, He saved us and He called us with a holy calling, not according to our works. Whatever God gives you, it's not in response to something you've done. Not according to our works, but according to His own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. Everything in our experience of salvation. Is his gift. If you knew the gift of God, the free gift, not given to you even because you asked for it. Now, if you have it, you'll ask for it. But he put the asking in your heart. That's his gift. Even the desire to know him is his gift. If you have faith, he gave it to you. If you have a new heart, he said, A new heart also will I give you. If you have repentance, he gave it. If you have love to him, it's because he first loved you. Everything you have, everything I have by way of experience is his gift. If you knew the gift of God. Ephesians 2.10 says we're his workmanship. Created. Only God can create. People talk, well, they're really creative people. Well, I know what people mean, but that's no. Only God creates Created in Christ Jesus unto good works which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. If you knew the gift of God. Paul said in Romans eleven twenty nine, 29, the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. If you knew the gift of God. And look what he says next in verse 10. If thou knewest the gift of God 
And who it is that saith to thee, give me to drink. If you knew not only the gift, if you knew the giver. You see, it won't do any good to know the gift and not know the giver. If you knew who it is that saith to thee, give me to drink. Now, I want to ask you a real simple question. Do you know who Jesus Christ is? I'm not asking you if you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm not asking you that. I hope you do. But if I ask you that, you know what you're going to think about? Your relationship. You're going to think about the stuff going on in your heart, what kind of relationship you have, You're going to start looking within. You're going to start looking to yourself. And it's just going to obliterate the view of Christ altogether. So I'm not saying, do you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? I'm saying, do you know who he is? I'm so glad uh, David read that um, passage of the thief on the cross. There's a man who went up to that cross not knowing who Jesus Christ was. And during his time on the cross, he found out who he is. We see that in the way he rebuked his buddy. Don't you fear God? He knew who Jesus Christ was. He's God. Don't you fear God? Seeing you're in the same condemnation, we indeed justly, we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man hath done nothing amiss. How do you know? He knew who he was. If you know who he is, you know he can't sin. You know he can do nothing amiss. And then he looked at him hanging on the cross with the blood pouring down and you couldn't even see his face. And he said, Lord. How do you know he was Lord? He knew who he was. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. You're not going to stay dead. You're going to come back as a mighty reigning king. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. How did he know that was going to take place? He knew who he was. If you knew who it is that's saying to you, give me to drink. You see, salvation is coming to know who he is. Colossians 2.9 says in him, dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Do you know that? Do you know that he's the creator? Do you know he's Lord of all? He's your Lord. Whether you know it or not, he's your Lord. Everybody that knows he's Lord knows that. He's Lord both of the dead and the living. He is the one who controls every event. He's the only Savior of sinners. His righteousness is the only righteousness God will accept. Do you know that? Do you know who He is? Do you know that His precious blood is enough to make you perfect in God's sight? Do you know who He is? Lord said, if you knew who it is that says, give me the drink. What would you do? Look in our text. If thou knewest the gift of God and who it is that saith to thee, give me to drink, 
What would you do? You would have asked him. And listen, listen to me. Everybody that knows him asks. And if you don't ask, you don't know. Everyone who knows, here's what they're going to do. They're asking. You know he's the only source. You ask. And I think uh, this is, uh, helps us to understand what this thing of asking means. Uh, the same word, uh, ask, in the Greek is translated by six or seven different words in the King James Version, all of which give a little bit more light as to what that means. Um, ask is also translated beg. You know when you beg? When you don't have anything to pay. You'll beg then. When you don't have any other options. When you have nothing to bring to the table, you'll beg. It is uh, also translated desire. You desire him, don't you? It's translated require. Do you know I require for Jesus Christ to do everything for me? I, I require that. I mean, I, I don't have anything else. I require that. I'm asking. Everyone that asketh, receiveth. Is that true? Of course it is. God's word's true. Everyone that asketh, receiveth. He that seeks, finds. If you knock, it shall be opened to you. Now don't anybody look at God's absolute sovereignty has a reason. Well, what's the point in asking? What's the point in seeking? If, if only the elect will be saved, if Christ died only for the elect and accomplished their salvation, what's the point in asking? What's the point in seeking? Don't say that. I think of that Syrophoenician woman when she came to the Lord and said, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. He answered her not a word. Did she just say, well, it's all pointless. She kept crying. She kept crying. If you want mercy, nothing's going to stop you. She kept crying. And then he said, I'm not sent, but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. I didn't come to save everybody. You know what the scripture says? Then she came and worshiped him. You'll only worship someone like that, really. If that's not the God you worship, the Christ you worship, you never worship, period. This is the Christ of the Bible. Then came she worshipped him saying, Lord, help me. And he said, it's not right to take the children's bread to throw it out to the dogs. She said, if I ever heard the truth, that's it. I'm a dog. That's the truth. But the dogs eat of the crumbs that fall from the master's table. Ask, like this woman did. You won't be turned away. If you knew, you'd ask, and he would have given thee living water. Living water. Water associated with spiritual life. Life from the dead. If you would ask, 
If you knew, you would ask. And he would give you living water. Now, this ought to be such an encouragement to every one of us. I ask, he'll give. He's never turned away anybody that asks. Well, this dear woman in verse 11, she still didn't know what he was talking about. The woman saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou this living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well and drank thereof, and his children and his cattle? All she understood was H2O. That's it. She had no idea what he's talking about. This well's deep, how you can get the water. And then the Lord says in verse 13, and what a statement. Jesus answered. I love the way the Lord answers. Here's the way I would have answered. Are you an idiot? Do you really think that that's what he's saying? That's the way I would have answered. The Lord's so gracious. Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. You drink the water from this well, you know what? Tomorrow you'll be thirsting again. It won't last. You can say this with regard to every human activity. You will thirst again. You may have all you think you want of the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. But you'll thirst again. You will. You have your religion. It doesn't leave you satisfied. You're thinking, is there something missing? Is there something I'm not doing? Is there something I've missed? You'll never be satisfied in religion. If you try to find your satisfaction in your home life, your family life, you're going to find reasons to be dissatisfied. If you get all your goals and objectives and reach them, you're still going to thirst again. I don't. If you get all your career goals, you'll thirst again. If you make all the money you ever need, you'll still need a little more. You'll thirst again. You can write this down on every human activity. I don't care what it is. You will thirst again. But, whosoever. That's one of my favorite words in the Bible. I got several favorite words, but this one stands out because I'm a whosoever. Doesn't say if a believer drinks or if a elect drinks or whosoever. Whosoever. Don't whosoever shall call in the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him. Shall never thirst. 
not going to be thirsting for something else. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him. A well of water springing up into everlasting life. Now what does that mean to never thirst again? I'm interested in that. And I have to ask the question, what does it mean? Because one of the Beatitudes is blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness. And it's a good thing to always be hungering and always be thirsting. I'm scared of not hungering and not thirsting. David said, my soul thirsts for God, for the living God. I want to always thirst for him, don't you? I want to thirst after his righteousness. I want to thirst after his presence. I want to always be poor and I always want to be needy, needing him, always hungering, always thirsting. So what does the Lord mean if it's a good thing to be always hungering and always thirsting? And it is a good thing. It's the only way to be. What does he mean when he says, Whosoever shall drink of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst again. Turn with me to Colossians chapter 2. Verse 9. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And you are complete in him. There's nothing to thirst for. You are complete in him. Nothing to reach for. Nothing missing. Nothing lacking. You are complete. Complete. Nothing to thirst for. Nothing you don't have. In Christ, you are complete in Him. Are you satisfied with that? Are you satisfied? I think of Paul's five questions in Romans chapter 8. Turn with me there. Verse 31, what shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Are you satisfied that if God's for you, no one can be against you? Verse 32, he that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not? What could possibly prevent him from freely giving us all things. Freely. 
If he spared not his own son, what's going to prevent him from giving you all things? Are you satisfied with that? Verse 33. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It's God that justifieth. God justified me. I didn't justify myself. God justified me. Nothing can be laid to my charge. Are you satisfied with that? I mean, plumb satisfied. Look what he says next in verse 33 or verse 34. Who is he that condemneth? It's Christ that died. Are you satisfied with that answer? The death of Christ, the resurrection of Christ leaves you nothing to be condemned for. Are you satisfied with that? Look what he says in verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Are you satisfied that you can't be separated from the love of Christ because it is love? Question. Is God completely satisfied with what Christ did? Look in the tomb. What, who's there? No one. You know why? God was satisfied with what he did. He raised him from the dead. Are you satisfied with what God is satisfied with? That's the satisfaction. Are you satisfied with what God himself is satisfied? He is infinitely satisfied with the person of his son and the work of his son. When he raised him from the dead, he said, I'm satisfied with what he did. I need no other argument. I need no other plea. It is enough that Jesus died and that he died for me. Satisfaction. You drink of the water of the gospel, you won't be looking for anything else. You will be satisfied to be saved by Christ alone. Christ is all you have, and you're satisfied with that. Christ is all you need, you're satisfied with that. Christ is all you want, and you're satisfied with that. Back to our text in closing. John chapter 4. Verse 14, but whoso drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Not only shall I not thirst, but I shall have a well of water in me springing up Unto eternal life, a life that shall never die. And when they put this body in the grave, and it can't be too much longer, the life that I now have will continue to live eternally in the presence of Jesus Christ, beholding his glory. Father, I will that they which you have given me be with me where I am, 
that they may behold my glory. That well of water is going to be springing up eternally. The living water of the gospel. The Lord said in John chapter 7 verse 37, If any man thirst, let him come to me. Not to the preacher, not to the front of the church, not to anything else. Let him come to me and drink. Let's pray. Lord, we ask in the name of your Son that you would give each person in this room the grace to know your gift and the giver of the gift cause us to ask and Lord we know in asking you give Lord, how we thank you that salvation is your work. It's not some man trying to talk another man into some kind of position, but that you speak, that you reveal. And we ask that you would reveal yourself to each of us according to your will. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.